everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast and ho, ho, ho. We are celebrating Christmas already in October. Very exciting. And we have one of our favorite guests, if not our absolute favorite guest, we have Paul Campbell here. And Paul, you are here for your seventh time on the podcast, not including the watch along. If you include that, it's eight times. So Paul, you are the hero of Hallmarkies podcast. Lucky seven. Yeah. Lucky seven. I knew I had seven was a milestone I had to hit. I feel like yeah. now it's double digits. We're going to have to get up to the double digits at some point, but this feels good. This feels right. Yeah. There's a point where I'm going to be like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. We'll just talk about, we'll do a whole episode about board games. Yeah. We'll hey. just talk about nothing. <laughs> yeah. Home, home renovation the, projects. Yeah. We can just do all the tips of visiting Vancouver. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do a little trip advisor. I'll walk you through Vancouver a little bit. I'll do like a virtual tour just to, uh, you know, we'll find stuff. I'm good at yeah. talking. Yeah. Well, we love having you. If people didn't know, Paul was our first like actor celebrity interview. It was very exciting. Way back 2017. Woo. And now this is our fifth Christmas that we are covering on Hallmarkies podcast. It's been five years which is crazy but it's been a it's a great great ride and we've certainly appreciated your support over the years uh you, you nina was our first interview that we ever did and then you were our first actor interview so oh yeah nina two. and i have just been neck and neck yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to get to the top of the heap here at the hallmarkies podcast i, I know. just edged her out she's done six <laughs> is that right Season six. Yeah. I told her, I said, well, don't worry. We'll give you a chance to, to get seven this season. Oh, she's going to be so pissed. She's going to be so pissed. Oh, I've got an enemy there now. Oh, well. <laughs> One of these days we'll have to have we both on together. That'd be really fun. Actually, That would be really Good. fun. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, yeah, we work well together. Yeah. So actually on the podcast, like I said, we had you for our watch along. And if you all don't know about the watch alongs, Super fun thing we do for the patrons where we have an actor or writer or talent of some kind come on and we watch one of their movies and we get to hear all the behind the scenes details with the patrons. It's only $2 a month to join the Patreon. So y'all to check that out. Super fun. And we had you on in April or May. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember either. I do remember that I did not know that I was supposed to be watching the movie with you and so I was like you were so nice. here while you watched the movie and then I would just answer questions about it I didn't actually have it in front of me that was quite amusing yeah I felt bad I obviously did not explain well enough or I just you were didn't so read nice the, yeah I didn't read the instructions but it was still enjoyable I was yeah. just, I felt badly because I uh, was just talking out of my butt I didn't <laughs> I was like oh yeah yeah this scene what scene is it yeah. it was good so though you did a good job and we had a lot of fun and so check that out that's all the information if you're listening in the description sign up for the patreon we sure appreciate it but but thank you for doing that but aside from that we actually haven't had you on the podcast since before wedding ever weekend when you were on with kimberly right because we we didn't have you on uh during the holidays last year and uh so yeah, it's actually been a little while since we've gotten to hear you on the podcast. So how has your 2021 been? <laughs> um, interesting year. I've been so busy. This has been one of the busiest years I've ever had since I've sort of thrown my hat into the rings of writer. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's incredible how much time writing takes compared to acting. Acting is like, you know, you do three weeks of work, you do a few days of prep, and then you do three days of work and you've got an entire movie. Writing is, um, you know, on Christmas by Starlight, it was a year and a half process. And then I worked on two more uh, at the beginning of this year. And one of them was like five and a half months. It felt like of just nonstop writing. The other one was a bit faster. It was about three and a half weeks. It was a rewrite. It was, it was less of a job than the other one, um, but it also went really smoothly. But I was writing nonstop. I don't even know, hundreds and hundreds of hours go into these scripts and uh, you really mm -hmm. earn your keep. So the, thing, the, the funny thing about writing is that it lives in your brain all the time. Writing is all problem solving. So it ne you never just put the pen down and then focus on other things. It's always like percolating. So even when I'm falling asleep, I wake up, it just lives with me until it's done. So for six months, you sort of lived in the world of that script. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you if you felt like you had a whole new respect for these movies as a writer than you had as an actor. I have a whole lot of respect for the movies that are written well. I'll mm -hmm. say that. I think it's it's not too difficult to write something mediocre, mm -hmm. but it's very, very difficult to write something that's good. So I have a lot of respect for the Nina Weinmans, for, for mm -hmm. uh, Julie Sherman Wolf, who yeah. I... It's great. You know, like there are writers that really, really care about their projects. And I've read so many scripts where there's, it just feels like absolute nonsense. Like there's lines or logic things that you'll come across that have been handled so lazily. And as an actor, you, you're like, well, I can't actually say this line. It doesn't make emotional sense. This doesn't make sense. But what the writer has done is realized what a hurdle that is and how difficult it is to actually solve that thing so they ignore it. Mm -hmm. The good writers will go, oh, that's actually a problem. And sometimes that problem is like it pulling a thread that unravels the whole sweater. And that's a huge undertaking. Sometimes you'll encounter something and be like, oh my God, that does not make sense. By the time I get from A to D, it doesn't work. I have to pull that whole string and it just unravels your script. Like you can do two or three full rewrites on a script just because of one issue that ends up not making sense. And those are the writers that are really, really good. And, and you can tell some, uh, some of these scripts are really, really well-written and some of them are not so great. Yeah. The great ones, I have a lot of respect for what those writers do because it ain't easy. No, that a lot of people think it must be easy, but I mean, I've never made the attempt myself, but I've seen enough of these movies, like you say, to, to know that it is, it is a tough nut to crack. Hallmark in particular, I find people probably think the opposite because, you know, they're not overly dramatic. They're not big, broad comedies, but walking that, walking the line, yeah. walking the, the correct tone for Hallmark and finding just the right comedy with just the right sentiment within the story structure, within the parameters of the types of character arcs they like to tell. There's very specific elements that they want to see for character development. Um, you, it's actually really difficult to be able to write, like when Hallmark says they want a comedy, 
they want a Hallmark comedy. And it's a different type of comedy than if you mm-hmm. were writing for episodic or if you were just writing like a, a comedy feature film. Finding that tone is actually pretty difficult. I think you see it with actors as well. A lot of actors that haven't worked in Hallmark will really try and fight the material a little bit. They'll try and do something different, but, the, but there is a pretty specific uh, product that Hallmark is looking for. And I think that's expanding a bit now. We sort of have this new new Hallmark, I call it. There's a new direction they're going where they are trying to really broaden their storytelling. Uh, but it's still difficult. And a lot of actors will mm-hmm. try and reinvent the wheel. And that's not really what people are responding to. Yeah. Well, and they're trying to do more emotional stories, especially obviously over in Movies and Mysteries. But the, the thing... I feel like it's tough. It's tough to tell that kind of emotional story effectively in 80 minutes. I I think that unless it's a series where you already have your established characters, like something say like Ted Lasso or something like that, like can do those emotional arcs because we already know the characters and we're invested in them. I think it's really tough to have like a full on story with the needed emotion when you're dealing with the ad breaks and the, you know, just the, it's just tough. I think, I think it's a, I, I find that a lot less of them work for me than the, either the cozy mysteries or the rom-coms. I, I, so far I have not loved these emotional movies that they've been doing. I and, haven't seen them yet. I haven't yeah. watched them, but I'm, that's interesting to hear because you, what you're saying makes a lot of sense that, that some these movies require so much exposition to get you up to speed on what this person's life is and what the emotional mm-hmm. states are. And then to tell a story with any sort of resolution, you're right. That's a lot of road to travel for you to really become invested in this person. When you do yeah. have a series, you have 12 episodes to become invested. You have 12, eight, eight or 10 hours of television that you right. can actually become invested in as opposed to 84 minutes, which is mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, really- and, and that's why the archetypes work in the stories because you immediately know okay this is the bad man of business I immediately I don't need any background I know exactly who this character is and or the you know the the girl coming back from the the city to the country I immediately know I don't need any uh, kind of background and that can be a problem but it can also be effective in creating the stories, you know, that we immediately kind of know, and then it's up to the script, the witty banter, the, the chemistry, all of that to kind of make it work. You know, I've never actually considered it that way. I've never heard that perspective. That's really interesting that you said that, that these characters, these sort of archetypes carry an emotional perspective that we're already familiar with. So we don't have to tell that part of the story. I've never looked at it that way, but it's true. And we go, oh, I know how this is going to go because I know that person and I know that person. I know those types. So everything that follows comes naturally. That's a really interesting perspective. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've probably just made my job easier, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you one thing last year that really did not work for me, uh, if you're working on scripts, was there were probably, I felt like, 30 movies between the various channels, maybe more that were some variation on, I have a letter, I have a photo, I have a charm, I have a ring, I have some kind of thing that I'm like investigating and researching 
And then like you find love, like as you are looking into this object slash whatever. And it was just always kind of boring It never, <laughs> I don't think any of them, they're all trying, I felt like to be sort of Stein Seal delivered, which does again, right. because you have the investment in the characters you have the, you know, see, so because it's a series. Uh, I think it works with that. And Martha Williamson is such a great writer that she can pull off that kind of story. Whereas I, I just felt like most of them, it just did not work. I'm like, I do not care about finding about this ring. It just not working for me or whatever it might be. Um, and it's, that was one you saw a lot last year. They were really pushing those kind of movies. And I, I think, um, I don't know. It's Which is not, interesting because Hallmark is pretty discerning now. I mean, they, they'll, they'll sort of, you know, they have a certain number of big city girl goes home to the small town and meets yeah. the handyman next door. They have, or you're saving a, a community center, you're saving, or you're planning a party. They always seem to know how many of those movies they have in the hopper. And mm -hmm. generally there's a pretty good balance and, and in the last two years, they've been, they, they've recognized the repetitiveness of those. They're like, we're done. They don't want to tell those stories anymore. They're still going to tell some, obviously, because people respond well to those stories, but they've really made an effort to expand the types of stories they're telling. Yeah. I think we're going to see stories this year that aren't just a traditional rom-com. It's not a, you know, mm -hmm male, female, two-hander love story. There, there, there will be a lot of love stories, but in the yeah. movie that I did with Tamara, the Santa Stakeout, the love story is almost secondary to the case. We're cops, right? And it's almost mm. secondary to the case we're working on. Uh, it's a great it title. Really, it's a great title, yeah. What was it called? It was called something else originally, uh, but Santa Stakeout is great. Mm -hmm. um, but but I loved the script because it was really funny. Yeah. And it, the love story was secondary to what they were trying to do. The love story did develop out of these two police officers working together on a stakeout. But it wasn't really terribly romantic by nature. It was just these two people discovered something in each other. There wasn't. And I guess that's pretty common for Hallmark movies. But the focus mm -hmm. was the case and like the all is yeah. lost moment at the end of act eight when the world's collapsed had to do with the case not because mm -hmm. he saw her right you know, kiss on the cheek to the ex-boyfriend and it's you know it wasn't an emotional fallout it was mm -hmm. a uh oh this case is kind of falling apart thing um I'm which excited was really about it. yeah and uh, you know it's the, the, so we haven't seen something like that and Santa Stakeout mm -hmm. is much closer to a traditional comedy than mm. they've done before with a lot, particularly with their Christmas movies. They really yeah. let us go hog wild with that one. Mm -hmm. Did I just say hog wild? I regret that. We can, we can <laughs> delete that. We can edit that out, right? Well, I wanted to ask you about Wedding Every Weekend because I really admired how you uh, became, I guess, uh, how you handled the whole Twitter everything with that that came kind of came along with that movie mm. and uh, the social media kind of side of it all. Um, I was wondering now, looking back on it over a year, how you kind of feel about that situation? Like, do you feel like overall it was a positive? Like in, I know that movie meant a lot to a lot of people, um, but obviously that was a, 
a tough situation that you had to deal with. And I felt kind of bad for you, but you did it very well and you, you handled it very well. I don't know. How do you look at it now? Um, well, I appreciate that. I, I didn't feel like it was a tough situation for me. I felt like this was a fight that I'd been waiting a long time to fight. And I was happy to be at the front line of that battle. The, I think the, I think it was a really important movie for Hallmark and you'll see it. You'll see their push for diversity and inclusiveness everywhere. Now in all their movies, uh, they, that there were there were a handful of really loud voices and that were loud, hateful, you know, negative voices. And Hallmark basically just said, we're not listening anymore. We're, we're going to do what we think is the right thing to do. And which was the right thing to do, which was expand storytelling to be inclusive and diverse. And they weren't going to worry about all those people. I think it was absolutely the time, the time had come for Hallmark to take that stance. And, you know, we talked a little bit about numbers dropping this year for Hallmark. It's impossible to say how much of that is because Hallmark has made a push for diversity and inclusiveness. How sad that numbers drop as a result of a network trying to be more inclusive. You know, if that's, if there's a direct correlation, that's really sad, regardless. It's, I think it was the right thing for Hallmark to do. They, it, it's time. And I love the stories they're telling now and uh, the stories that I'm able to tell in my writing and types of characters that I'm able to write that three or four years ago absolutely would not have been writing into these movies. And I don't necessarily think that was because of a position that Hallmark was taking about their thoughts on inclusiveness. I think it was out of fear of these voices saying, we, we won't watch your network if you tell stories with the LGBTQ plus community or if you have mixed race leads, you know, like I think it was out of fear and they kind of went, enough is enough. We're gonna tell the stories we wanna tell and we'll let the chips fall where they may. So my hope is that I think in doing so, they'll probably lose some viewers, but the hope is that they bring on a new audience and that they start to appeal to a broader audience. Mm. In terms of Wedding Every Weekend and what, what I was doing on social media, uh, I loved that. You know, I loved it as an opportunity to say, I stand here, I stand with these communities, I stand with these people, I stand with my friends, and my colleagues, and we're not going anywhere and we're gonna tell the stories that need to be told. Um, I admire that because it's it's not easy to I don't know to deal with Twitter and yes. the that kind of just outrage can be exhausting. Um, but I think I think you've handled it very very well. And uh, I I I really I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was very sweet. And I just I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I and I have like. I've, I mean, I grew up, I grew up Mormon. So I grew up very like traditional, traditional views. But I think even when I was really hardcore, I still would have been fine with like a couple being introduced. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's so crazy to like not acknowledge that people exist. Like it's still G rated content. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I don't agree with that perspective uh and um, i am glad too i think it is a good thing that hallmark is doing 
I feel the same way. I'm glad you agree. I think a lot of people agree. I think uh, uh, hopefully the vast majority of people agree. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just those that, that, that small group of people that seem to have really loud voices. Yeah. You know, this million moms or whatever, I, I hate to give them any publicity, but it's not a million moms. It's like, I don't know, a few thousand dudes. Okay. It's not like, it, it's just, it's, yeah. it's good marketing for them. It's good marketing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I hope what we're realizing is this widespread uh, bigotry and all of those things that we feel is so deep is maybe not quite as deep and destructive or as powerful as we thought. I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. see. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens after this season where the push for diversity and inclusiveness is, has been fully realized. And now you'll see in Hallmark's entire slate of films, yeah. like this is the direction we're going. How's this going to work? How's this going to look for us? Mm -hmm. And I mean, as someone who, it, you know, I, I wasn't the most accepting when I was, you know, younger because of how I was raised. You can, it's never too late to change and to come. I around. wasn't either. Yeah. I, I was not raised in that household either. And it wasn't, it wasn't prejudice necessarily. It was just my mom and dad weren't really raised in those households either. Yeah. It becomes about awareness and education and, you know, exposure to different cultures. And yeah. you, it, it is, um, it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I started to meet people from those different communities. And I went, oh, wait a minute. I need to change the way that I think. I, yeah. It's, yeah. So my hope is that Hallmark is changing the way people think and broadening attattitudes. And, and uh, you know, even that's my hope. I don't know how realistic that is, but. You know. every little bit I think helps and uh, my yeah. sister my sister's gay and so that obviously was a big life changer as well for me uh when you have that personal connection and it's like people say oh it's it's not family friendly and I'm like what are you talking about my family is like it's my family yeah, we're pretty like, friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. uh so uh, I I'm glad to hear that in retrospect, looking back on it, that you feel positive about it. I, that was my hope because I know that it can be an intense experience with that social media. So that's, I'm glad I'll keep to hear fighting it. that fight till the day I die. Bring I love it. it. Yeah. That's great. Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. 
That's patreon.com slash homeworkies. Well, so we kind of talked about it a little bit, but so you had Christmas by Starlight, which you actually wrote and starred in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah. So how was that movie different for you just in total, both the acting and the writing side of it than your previous Christmas films? Well, it was just, it was really strange being on set as an actor, knowing everybody else's lines and having had those scenes play out in my head for a year Mm. and sort of having an idea of how that was going to look. I mean, when you're writing, you can't help but create a vision of it in your head with, with the sets, with the blocking, with the performances. And then when you actually get to set the reality is they're vastly different and all your your actors bring different choices and different attitudes and different energy than you had expected it took me probably took me probably three or four days of being on set to stop that little voice going well that's not quite how i heard it that's not quite (laughs) and i just sort of relaxed into it and learned to trust that everybody else could just do their job the way that they were hired to do their job uh, it was really, it was really, really fun, especially when you run into issues with scripts. Like there's always issues with scripts. You get into unforeseen circumstances where a location will change or uh, a blocking that you've written doesn't work because of something or a line doesn't work. You go, oh man, that doesn't make sense. As an actor, you run into, run into that all the time, but usually there's no writer on set to be able to work it through. So as an actor, you're either kind of trying to fix it yourself, you're discussing it with the director, the producers, but being on set as a writer, I could just fix stuff in the moment. And, you know, when you write a script and you hand it off and you walk away from it and you just give it to a production to shoot, you do lose all control of that script. The director has pretty much carte blanche to change what they want. Producers, they can do rewrites, they can do whatever they want. So. Being on set to make the team accountable to your work and go like, hey, I'm right here, guys. You can't really change stuff without me. If you do, I'm going to know because I'm in the scene uh, was really nice. And um, it became the first few days was a little bit sort of bumpy for me. Uh, And then after that, it became really fun. I started to really enjoy the process. And then um, this year, the 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 script that I spent the most time on, I had originally, I was gonna push really hard to star in it. And, uh, but Hallmark was insistent that they wanted, they wanted it to be written for late twenties and uh, try as I might, I don't pass for late twenties anymore. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I had some ideas about who I wanted them to cast. I don't get any say in it, but I was sort of, I was writing it with certain people's voices in mind. And then they were like, oh, actually, we're going to change it to mid-30s. I said, well, I, I could do mid-30s. I could be in this. So like, no, no, we already have some people in mind. And I was like, what? Come on. Uh, I was going to say, they're not in their mid to late 20s. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. And uh, the reason I think they did that is because they had the movie that I was going to act in. They already had me in mind for that. They wanted me for that role. They didn't want me oh, for this yeah. that I was writing. And then they told me that Tyler and Joy were doing it. And I was like, oh, I I literally just got handed the best cast in at the network. I don't think there's a better duo to to star in this Mm -hmm. particular movie than those two. Uh, The 
the only movies that have gotten over two have been uh, t- movies Tyler has been in uh, since uh, th- since February, I think this year. Yeah. Uh, so he's yeah, he's I mean, he's great. He deserves it. And uh, he's so charming. He's phenomenal. And I wrote something kind of different for him in this one. The something a little I was a little bit unsure when I heard he was cast initially because I thought oh this isn't the role that Tyler plays Tyler this is this is written for like a a Thomas Middleditch kind of character like Mm -hmm. you know just from Silicon Valley someone like that or like a Topher Grace kind of character Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. this and then they were like Tyler's gonna do it oh man this will be interesting to see what he does and he blew it out of the water oh my gosh I'm so excited That'll be, yeah. I feel like they'll have good chemistry, two of them. And they're going to have, I mean, he has not- chemistry with everybody he's with. Yeah. He's, yeah. I've seen a few of the scenes that are roughly cut together and it's phenomenal. Um, it looks good. The performances are so sharp. It's really, it's going to be something really fun. And they let me write some really bananas jokes in there we'll see i don't know you know it comes down to editing the editor mm-hmm. cuts 30 percent of the movie out mm-hmm. when they go to the final edit so we'll see what they cut but there's some really ridiculous stuff in there and that's an unexpected christmas currently is that that's the title unexpected christmas yeah okay good we're looking forward to that well we have to talk about turner and hooch a uh-huh. Bit. uh-huh so you remember our old co-host amber yeah good friend uh, well, Amber hadn't, hadn't been on the show for a little bit because she was just, she'd been very busy with other things in her life. And uh, I, I got a message from her um, on Instagram, a message from her saying, Hey, I want to be back on the show. I want to co- cover Turner and Hooch. And I was like, okay, I'll watch whatever you want me to watch just because I love podcasting with her. And so I watched the show and I loved it and it was delightful. And so we've actually done two recaps. We'll do a third to for finish off the, the series, but we've really been enjoying it. And I, I think your character is a lot of fun. Uh, it seems like it, it would be a really great show to be a part of. It's a phenomenal show. Josh Peck mm-hmm. is the loveliest, most humble hardworking guy you could ever hope to meet and when you have somebody at the top of the call sheet that sets the tone like that the show is so enjoyable the creator like everybody everybody is just having the time of their lives there's the the I mean when you have a show that has a lot of money behind it and you have the time to shoot it properly and you have really good scripts and you have a really good cast uh it's impossible not to enjoy yourself and they let me do some really silly stuff on the show again like it's a character i haven't played a character like this for a long time uh from since probably the beginning of my career and it's so uh it's so joyous to be able to improvise stuff and you know like josh is a really good he's really quick so we'll just improvise ridiculous things and you know it's one of those things where it's Mm playtime some shows are not playtime Turner and Hooch is absolutely playtime and it's fun when you're actually encouraged to play because you have the time to goof around and come up with dumb stuff to say 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nah, that's not always the case, but yeah, it's, and having all the animals on set, those dogs, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's a dream show. I did six episodes this season and if it comes back, hopefully I get to do a bunch more because it was just, it was, I had the time of my life. I hope it does come back because I think it's one, when you just see the, the promos, it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, another like reboot. Eh. Um, but again, because I, uh, you know, I'm sort of, I guess, forced to sit down and watch it. I immediately was just like, this is so cute and so charming. And the action is actually really well staged. Like mm-hmm. it feels, I, you said that they're putting money into it. Definitely. You can see it that they put the money into the, into the show. Yeah. Especially yeah. the action set pieces. You weren't in the one, but the whole homage to Die Hard. I loved that episode. So good. Great. So good. <laughs> I know. Like I Disney like owns every... Disney owns Die Hard, so why not? <laughs> Did it really? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah they, they. Yeah, the show's clever in that way. Like the final episode is called Bike Club, mm-hmm. and it's uh, yeah. The titles are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the fugitive. <laughs> that's a good one. Working with Reginald Val Johnson was really yeah. funny too. I mean. You know, talk about homage to Die Hard. I mean, they should have had him in that episode, though. I that was know a strange choice. He is the loveliest, funniest, mm-hmm. most charming guy, too. Like, oh, he's so sweet, and he just like he just laughs all the time. He's just got this like deep, jolly laugh. Like the whole cast. Uh, I spent a lot of time working with Lindsay Fonseca. Um, yeah, and she's like, you know. I, I don't know. Everybody is just so great on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great cast. Everybody has really good chemistry. I mean, I even I get a kick out of uh, Matt Hamilton. Oh a, my gosh. He's so great. Good. Well, he's kind of... Brandon McLaren, I think, is my favorite character on the show who plays Xavier. Oh, yeah, he's, he's great. He's so weird. He's doing like the weirdest sort of thing, but it just works. It doesn't ever feel over the top, it just feels very organic. Is really fun to watch. Yeah, I also like the uh, the the um, uh, the head of the the division. Uh, the, the, oh yeah, the, I like Anthony, uh, yeah uh, yeah. Hooch is always eating his uh, the chief the chief I yeah think. the chief that uh, he's always eating his rewards his awards. Just he's just pissed <laughs> off all the time. He's just like ugh. I know, especially in the beginning, yeah. like the first time the dog shows up and just <laughs> flobbers all over his stuff. It's great. Yeah, because that's real to truth. Like I'm not, I, I have to, I'm not like the most animal person, but like animals love me. And whenever I'm like, I'm just gonna, and they always just come up to me and they want to be, they want to sit on my lap. And I'm just like, they know they want to like, win me over. They want to be yeah, the one. that's the thing. If you were a big animal lover, they'd be like, nah, yeah, but you're hard to get. That's right. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, we love the show. Let's hope and pray it gets renewed because it's really good. It's really I don't fun. know if they've done, I feel like there's a couple shows like Big Shot. There's yeah, a that's couple, a great show too. That I loved it. I I, yeah. I hope that one comes back because I watched that with my little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually doesn't like Turner Hooch. He's only five. He liked Big oh, Shot yeah. or Big Shots, um, but didn't. Yeah, he's like, ah. I don't really like Turner Hooch dads. Okay. 
That's fine. You can watch the Hallmark stuff. You're like, I got to audition for Big Shot season two. I know. <laughs> well, I got to be John Stamos over here now. Come on. Um, but I don't think Disney's done any of their pickups yet for stuff that came out on the streamer. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've done any. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of anything that was new this last season that has been announced. Renewed, yeah. Because Mighty Ducks hasn't been. Which is also great. Know. We watched all of that with. Yeah, uh, that was good. Guy. So good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think even the animated stuff has gotten renewed like Bad Batch or I don't know. They just haven't done any of it, I don't think yet. Yeah. So let's Wait. hope. Let's but, hope. So you've already course since this is your seventh episode interview you've already done all of our questions that we have so i decided to be creative and come up with a paul campbell unique team b questionnaire based on your filmography oh so this could totally bomb and i'll edit it (laughs) i'm game i'm game okay first one it's the battlestar galactica question is what is your favorite sci-fi movie my favorite sci-fi movie, Spaceballs. Ah, comedy. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, Knight Rider, what is your dream car if you can have any car? The 1966 GTO 396 Ooh. Midnight Blue. Wow, that sounds fancy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Window Wonderland, uh, what is your must-do Christmas activity you have to do every year? From Window Wonderland? Oh, oh but my just in general. Activity. Oh, uh, I would say my must-do Christmas activity is... Oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I like going and cutting down the Christmas tree. I haven't done that for a long time, but I feel like that it's do as I say, not as I do. Cutting down the tree, even if it's in a tree farm, there's a real satisfaction to that. Something I need to get back to. I know that's sort of a convoluted answer, but let's say cutting down the tree. Very good. I haven't had a live tree in a long time because the last time that I had a live tree, they cut it so it was kind of on the diagonal and it like fell on top of me. And I was just getting so frustrated. And (laughs) I finally... I could not get it to work. And I, cause I'm single, I live alone. I didn't have anyone to help me. And so finally I called uh, the Bishop who this, the leader of our church and our congregation. And I was just like crying at that point. I'm like, the tree and all this stuff. And, and anyway, he was my Christmas hero. He came over with a saw, proper saw. He saved the day, oh, put up the tree. So that was my Hallmark Christmas moment of my real life. Oh my gosh. The Christmas. You should have filmed it. I know. Should've I should have filmed that. I know. If I was a good social media person, I would have. But uh, but he saved the day. So if you're looking for your next Christmas movie, you can write that in to the, okay. to the story. Crushed by <laughs> <I> Christmas. Comes <laughs> <laughs> rescue me from this tree because they're heavy. Help me. Help me. All right. Uh, so for Surprised by Love, since Gridley is an artist, I said, what kind of art do you like? If you were going to go, would it be modern? Would it be impressionistic? Would it be, or do you just not like art at all? Where would you, where would you want to go? I like the impressionists. Uh, I also like some modern, but it depends. Like I, I like, I prefer for paintings. I probably prefer the impressionists. Um, but- Van Gogh and 
Yeah, yeah. But hey, when I I was at um, the first big trip I ever did was to the UK, and I went to the National Gallery in London. They had a whole section of Monet's, like the uh, the lilies, and you know the I something about seeing those paintings in real life. There's just there's an extraordinary power that those works have. I was like completely overcome standing in that museum, just looking at these extraordinary pieces. Mm-hmm. They still they still resonate. I, I probably wouldn't put my uh, like impressionist work up in my house. It's not really my style, but uh, I'm more like, a so I, you know, I'd go a little more modern, but yeah, in terms of if I had to choose like one style, it would be the impressionist. All right. Once upon a holiday, I have, who is your favorite Disney princess? That's in the princess movie. Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Rapunzel, uh, Elsa, Anna, Mulan, probably Belle. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a classic. I'll do I'll do Snow White. Mm. Yeah, Princess. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The very first. <laughs> I'm not up on my uh, Disney princesses. I'm gonna go. I'll pick the one of the movie that I've seen. No, I think that it's a good choice. People are too hard on the classic princesses because she's super positive. She's whistling when she's like, she's she's happy. She's taking care of these dwarves. Yeah, I mean, that's she's right. Out with these dwarves, you know, like she's she's got a finger on the pulse. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. like her. Okay, very good. So, sunset and romance. What would be your dream vacation? I like tropical. I like beaches. Um, Beach in Hawaii is hard to be like, I, I also like busy too. So I like Waikiki. A lot of people uh, think mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. They want like a mile of white sand, with nobody around them. But I want like, I want action. I want like yeah. people everywhere, surfboards, people drinking. Yeah. I, I want that. I want like a beach party vibe in Hawaii, like mm-hmm. sunset on the beach, Mai Tais, surfing. That's my, I love it. Yeah. You got to get a summer movie or one of these days i really do I really, another well, I another one in shape, you know i i gotta get like really real i gotta get like andrew walker ripped or something like that or like just so that i if i had to take my shirt off people would be like uh-huh that 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 works as opposed yeah. to like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh we would never uh, he's not uh-huh. a kid <laughs> So, a God Week Christmas. What is your favorite Kathy Lee Gifford fun fact slash memory? Oh man, uh, coming back from we we were shot on this. Uh, let's call it the Sunshine Coast. It's up north in BC, and you have to take a ferry to get there. And uh, getting on the ferry with her, on like a BC ferry with Kathy Lee Gifford, and like one of the most iconic faces in the world. Everybody knows who she is. Just walking on to this ferry. And then we kind of lost her for a little bit because like people were like, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, and then we lost her. And so we're looking all over the ferry and we like, we're like, well, we'll go sit up near the front. That was kind of what we decided was going to be our home base. And we're like, hopefully Kathy's okay. And then we turn around and there she is. She's coming toward us with a giant tray of French fries. She'd been in line at the cafeteria and she'd gotten like six orders of French fries. And she's like, I've got French fries. And she just said like, uh, just like exactly what we wanted was this yeah. giant tray of fries and she'd just been standing in the cafeteria lineup by herself on this bc ferry 
Uh, I don't know what that experience was like for her, but we thought it was really funny. Then we just sat at the front of the boat eating French fries with her. Man, see, you have a good good life, living a good yeah, life. I do. Yeah. yeah, that's very good. All right. Next, uh, The Last Bridesmaid, since you are documentarian in that, in filming every every aspect of this wedding, uh, what do you have a favorite reality show? Man, oh man. I was a real sucker for the Bachelor franchise mm-hmm. for a long time. I haven't watched that in a few years because I feel like it just became really, really manipulated. Whereas mm-hmm. initially it seemed like maybe there was some reality to it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely got into watching both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette mm-hmm. for a yeah. long time. Dirty little secret. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Holiday Hearts, have you ever broken a bone? I've, uh, I think I've broken a baby toe, although it could have just been like a really bad sprain, but I've never broken anything major. I've never had a cast. I've never, never anything like that. I've been very fortunate, like definitely jammed some fingers, but I don't think I've ever had a true break. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Wedding every weekend. Are you, this is very controversial in the world of weddings. Are you pro cake smashing in the face or no? No, no, I agree. No, no. get out of here. I don't want that. I don't want that. How much did I pay for this tux? What am I wearing? <laughs> Is this Tom Ford? Probably not. No, I got married. But uh, no, I, I'm not into like, no, that's a hard I no. Uh, I agree. My grandma would love you too, because she hated that so much. She'd always get so mad. Like, what are they doing? Honestly. She's what are they doing? Honestly. Yeah. Let's stay nice and clean. <laughs> All right. Christmas by Starlight. If you could write in a non-Hallmark genre or show, what would you write in? Uh, I would write in, you know what would be really fun is something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is so dark and just really like nothing is off limits in terms of humor, in terms of storytelling. I'd like to be able to write, not saying that I could write at that level, but I would love to be asked to come and try and write some jokes for them. That would be, I would love to see that. That is a very funny, very naughty, but very funny show. Yep. Yep. All right. Last question. Uh, Turner and Hooch, do you have a dog? Did you grow up with a dog? I don't have a dog and I did grow up with two dogs. One was a miniature pincher and one was like, kind of a, a mix uh, we don't really know what he was he was a rescue uh but yeah i had two like tiny little dogs growing up for we mm. probably had them for about 10 years so not when i was little little but probably got them when i was about eight or nine and then yeah until i moved out That's cool. but i love dogs i'm a big fan mm-hmm. well you did it you answered all the questions how did i do I- I feel so good. Great questions. Yeah, I feel really good about myself for that, you know, for being able to just really think on my feet. And you did uh, very well. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, we're excited for the new movie. The Santa Stakeout sounds super fun. The Unexpected Christmas, we're looking forward to that. Uh, so congratulations. And uh, thank you for coming on and being the star of Hallmarkies Podcast. Thank you for having me. And don't let this position slip for me. If anybody starts nipping at my heels, you got to get me back on this show. I can't lose this lead. This is this is something I hold very, very near and dear to my heart. So well, maybe that's the strategy. If we have you and Nina on together, then you'll still be one up 
Ooh, she's going to be so pissed if you do that. She's going to be so pissed. Uh, and then when you announce it, it's got to be Paul Campbell and Nina Weinman. It can't be Nina Weinman and Paul Campbell. You got, I, need, I need above credit. I need like single title credit. <laughs> yeah. Which he was our first guest we ever had. Oh, come on. <laughs> Whatever. Then fine. Oh, I, I love feel it. Like I love we're, it. We're dead even. Have us on together. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So, uh, let, so how can people follow you on social media, all that fun stuff? Uh, I am Paul Campbell official on Instagram and I am the Paul Campbell on, uh, Twitter. Great. Um, y'all definitely want to follow Paul on socials. He's great. And, uh, <laughs> and you can follow me at Rachel's reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron tomatoes. Check that out. And also make sure you're following the podcast, a Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast, all of our social media. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us so much, especially during the holidays. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our page group where we have watch longs. And so please take a look at that. And we have our merch store, which has tons of new festive Christmas designs you won't want to miss out on. All that information is in the description. Thanks so much again, Paul. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll be excited to have you on for interview number eight. One Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me. This was okay. fun. Bye, everyone. Merry Christmas. Bye, everyone. <laughs>